The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we've gotten through the Super Bowl first podcast of the <laughs> offseason, and it's on a Wednesday, our, our offseason day. We're in our offseason mode. Yep. Um, we're in offseason mode in, in virtually all respects. I've noticed that... Uh, there, we don't have as much time to get ready for the combine as we did last year. I'm trying to figure out why is that? <laughs> what what is different about? Oh, I know. We didn't lose the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The off season comes up quick when yeah. <laughs> you play it on the final day of the season, especially since they they backed up the year a bit. They not mm-hmm. only yeah. have that gap now, they added a regular season game, and then they now move the Super Bowl to the second week of February. So this combine is just in a in a couple weeks' time. You have the parade, and then you blink, and it's it's the NFL combine. And it's just crazy to think that this is a championship team, and this is the start of the process where they're probably going to add somewhere in the realm of 8 to 10 more players to this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's wild. I, I, I look at it almost as – you, know, you you grow up with football in, in high school and, and college. It's like when a team loads up to the point of there's just going to be so much talent when we get to this 53-man roster. I don't I don't know how you're going to make some of these cuts. Like This is definitely a season, and, and I think we've been seeing it in recent years, but it feels like this one's going to be bigger than ever where you're going to have a lot of players right at that deadline land mm-hmm. potentially yeah. big roles with other teams, you would think, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, that's going to be part of the the landscape that is the Kansas City Chiefs on the back half of Patrick Mahomes uh 10-year contract uh because there's going to be a lot more happening with the draft than we have become accustomed to in free agency and that's going to mean players landing elsewhere on cutdown yeah. day it's going to be crazy as i'm i'm talking out loud i'm almost talking to myself into you know maybe <laughs> Right. It's it's tinfoil hat. Season, so. Maybe the Chiefs are more apt to move veterans just from a pure number standpoint when you really think about it. Right. Like at a certain point, if a guy's going to cost too much and you could get you know, a certain amount of quality and value back. And, you know, I, I'm just I just don't know why you'd you'd go into to camp with so many starting potential guys when it is a lot of times a a number game but alas a long way john until the 53 man roster deadline thank you well the unfortunate thing about this is you can't you don't know now what players you're going to be able to get in the draft if you knew now who you'd be able to get you could make some of these decisions on veterans i'll give you an example of the Chiefs uh, signed a, a veteran linebacker last year. Uh, Elijah Lee? No, no, no. Another guy didn't make the 53, uh, and his name escapes me now. Um, but they paid him like a, a million dollars guaranteed or something like that. Had to eat that money when he didn't make the final roster. But they had to do that to have enough people on the team so they could draft without having to be uh, position specific, which they like to do so they can go in there and take best player available. 
So this is the problem. I'm a nutcase and 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 crazy. I had to look it up really quickly. Jermaine Carter is what you're thinking, right? right? That's the guy. Yeah, yeah. And they ended ended up you know giving him some money when he didn't even play for the Chiefs in 2022. And it's unfortunate that they don't know what's going to happen in the draft, so they can make those decisions now. But instead, they have to, you know, cover their butts on the roster before they get to the draft. And then, man, you know, yeah, when we get I to t- the final 53, there's got veteran guys are going to go. I don't know how we got into this conversation right off the bat <laughs> on a huge show. We have so much to talk about. But I think that happened with Ronald Jones. I think that's what happened with yeah. Ronald Jones. They were unsure mm-hmm. about McKinnon. He was right. You no know, right. wavering a little bit. And then they, they get Jones and then they get McKinnon later. McKinnon ends up being the better player and Ronald Jones tweets out release me during the middle of the season but he ended up getting <laughs> a few snaps here and there in a super bowl ring not so bad and i'm, I'm sure he's going to find somewhere where he can be used a little more regularly a little more properly yada yada all right so let's do some housekeeping stuff steve i'm going to bring you in, in a second here a uh, new day for the the podcast for the editor show is on wednesdays uh moving forward uh, we have a a new podcast schedule that will be will be having this off season. I, I think Steve, if you have uh, the updates when it comes to what what we have moving forward here, just to I know that a lot of people use the editor show as their anchor. So just to kind of preview what we have uh, as we get into the NFL draft. Yeah, so we've already started the off season lineup, and there will obviously be some extra things added in here as we get closer to the NFL draft. And there, there will, I'm sure, always be some breaking news or whatever that you can expect at Arrowhead Pride. But yeah, um, on Mondays moving forward, we will have V season with Rocky Magania and our assorted cast of uh, Arrowhead Pride film analysts who are breaking down <laughs> draft prospects, doing mock drafts, all that kind of stuff. And then Wednesday, we will have the editors moving forward. They were off last week, took a breather because, yeah, we had this quick turnaround to the NFL combine. So you can expect editors every Wednesday on your feeds moving forward. And then every Friday, we will have the AP draft room with Ron Kopp. And again, another kind of assorted cast of all of our AP draft guys. And we'll be breaking down every aspect of this thing for you. So keep keep you caught up all throughout the offseason. All right. Thank you, Steve. And as he mentioned, we will have emergency podcasts. If there is a breaking news, sure. we, yeah. we, we drop a note in, in our, our in-house room here and we get as many people on as we can to discuss something that, that might take place that happens in the afternoon. So look out for those as well. Try to get you some analysis as, as soon as possible. All right. Let's get into business on the show. We had the Brett Veach and Andy Reid press conferences from the Combine. First real news since the, the Chiefs won the the Super Bowl championship, and we are going to go through the top 10 nuggets from the Combine pressers. We'll have a news roundup. We did drop a, a surprise Twitter poll uh, earlier this morning, so we'll discuss that to, to end the show. But first, we have your ratings and your reviews. If you leave a rating and review on the Arrowhead Pride iTunes channel, we will read it on the editor show. So the first one is from CKA Say. I listen to several Chiefs podcasts and really enjoy the variety and information from AP. I'd like to figure out how to request the Super Bowl confetti. I have some from AFC championships and parades. <laughs> however, the Super Bowl is beyond a retired person's budget. I'm sure it's too late this year. However, we will be back. I got to tell you something, John. I saw a number of media members doing this at the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Yeah. I had work on the website. We were editing things. We were posting things. I was collecting sound. I was doing some of that last minute book write up stuff that I had to do for, for the book. And I wanted to go down there before I left in Phoenix and go get this confetti like everybody was doing. And I completely blanked. I, it, I'd hit like one thirty in the morning local time. And I was so zoinked that I forgot to go down and get it. And there was so much, and it seemed like people were just able to, to walk down and get it. So I completely missed the ball on this thing. And I, I, to an extent, I'm not a huge confetti man. Like I don't, this is, this is not something I right. would have been collecting for mm-hmm. myself, but I, right. I, I guess I just, the value of it escaped me and I, I missed the opportunity. Right. So I hope I get to go back to one of these things so I could actually get some, some red and gold. Uh, well, you're going to have the same problem in the future. We're going to have all this stuff to do on a short, turnaround uh when the game is over win or lose so here's what i would suggest to you is find a maintenance person when you're calm and collected and not busy and slip them a little money to bring you a bag full (laughs) (laughs) 
at yes. you know some prearranged location, you know, on on Monday after the game. <laughs> Little Andrew Jackson might might get it done for me. I, I yeah. think that's a yeah. I think that's a good strategy. All right, let's move on to the next review, John. Uh, this is from DC to AA long review. First, I love the first episode of each season and look forward to future episodes. A few other Super Bowl thoughts. This most recent playoff was the best in my memory as it was truly a team effort. No single person carried mm, the team, yeah. and I think that's just about every player who had snaps made a meaningful impact in at least one of those games. There are a fair number of quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl, significantly fewer that have won two. If Mahomes can get one more, he's really getting into elite, elite territory. And finally, this upcoming season, I feel very content and hopeful, which makes it simply blissful to be a Chiefs fan. Young and talented roster, plenty of draft picks with the draft in KC. The Bengals monkey is off our back. AFC quarterback is going to be pretty expensive soon for our competitors. It's just a great feeling! Exclamation point, John. Any any comments on on that um, that review? You know, I've heard similar comments from a lot of folks. They seem a lot calmer now than they did even after the 2019 Super Bowl win. I mean, obviously there was a big calming effect of that game. But then the loss the in the Super Bowl the next year and then the loss to the Bengals the year after that, I think, has kind of put people back into that, oh, the Chiefs are, you know, fated to lose ultimately. You know, that that thing that we had for a long time as a fan base. And I think now with this second Super Bowl win in the space of a few years, I think people have finally largely bought into the idea that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are going to bring a lot of long-term success here. I've I've noticed more than a few people being happy, you know, now more so than I've ever seen. I just think there's that fear, right? One and the one and one championship and done Mm -hmm. fear that exists with Rogers and uh, breeze and Russ Wilson. It, you know, that idea that you're never going to get back there again. And, Chiefs were able to get back again for the the third time in what four seasons, and mm-hmm. I'm sure at halftime there was a lot of that worry again. Of <laughs> is this, uh, this is this the Patrick Mahomes Andy Reid story? Are they just going to win the one against San Fran, and we never never going to be able to to get another one here? And I think it's a huge monkey off off the the, the teams back, and really the the Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes duo. And I saw something about how when you have these really great teams and these really great eras, it's difficult to get the first one. It's a little difficult to get the second one. And then it becomes a lot more normal Mm -hmm. and easy. And there's a lot of Mm -hmm. pressure that's taken off because it's already been accomplished. And so it actually puts Mahomes and Reed in a better position if they are able to get to another AFC title game and another Super Bowl of, and we know how to do this. And usually the Mm -hmm. other team, has not been there. This is very uncommon. Right. I think that's something that we need to remember as well. And that is a significant advantage as your dynasty building, which is what the Chiefs are doing now that this dynasty has begun. More on that at the end of the show. All right, let's get into the scouting combine here. Andy Reid and Brett Veach, they're scheduled to talk. Actually, every head coach and GM talks the first couple of days of the combine here on Tuesday and Wednesday. So we got Andy Reid and Brett Beach on uh, what was Tuesday. You want to listen to the full uncut press conference we have avail- available for you at from the podium. Thanks to the, the good work of Steve. I really put Steve to work here today because we have the top 10 <laughs> nuggets from the combine pressures. I, I, Steve would tell you, we're not going to bring him back on, but he would tell you, I, I apologize in advance about the extra work that I gave him today, but it puts us in a good position to really talk about some of the things that we heard that were important and significant about this team and its future moving forward. The first one was Andy Reid on Eric Bieniemy, who of course is now the assistant head coach and offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. Here's Andy Reid. Yeah, so I'm so happy for EB to have a, a chance to put his name on an offense, and this is his now. You know, he's he's working for Ron Rivera, who's a dear friend, and um, uh, and a def- you know more of a defensive head coach an offensive head coach. So this allows EB to do his thing and, and uh, I'm happy for him. I, you know, I wish, and I'm, I'm wishing him luck with that. I'm also wishing him luck going forward. You know, I obviously we're trying to get him to become a head coach. It didn't work out that way, uh, but it, that's not 
you know, it's not over yet. So uh, I think he's going to do do a heck of a job here and really uh, be able to show his personality within the within the offense. You know, this was my design. I, I mean, I I see it, and I I wonder if the fans see it. And I'll I'll tell you what I mean. Eric Bieniemy went on Adam Schefter's podcast and. Uh, he detailed the conversation that he had with Coach Reed. It was between them two. He said that no other coach knew that they identified ahead of 2022 that this was going to be his last season. This is something that I think the writing was on the wall. I had said it a number of times mm-hmm. on our podcast and on the, the radio hits and, and whatnot that I, I didn't see a scenario in which enemy was back. And there was no better sign to me, John, than the fact that he was tied to John Harbaugh and Ron Rivera. Harbaugh ended up going with a different candidate uh, for his offensive coordinator position uh, ends up getting with, with Ron Rivera. But the commonality there is these are Andy Reed's boys. Mm-hmm. So Andy Reed, yeah. Andy Reed was having conversations with Ron Rivera. I think maybe as early as the beginning of last season. I don't know that for sure. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, the conversations happened at a certain point. Andy Reed is the same guy who got Doug Peterson, that head coach job in Philadelphia. <laughs> By talking to the owners. You don't think he was talking to Ron Rivera? I think there were bugs in Rivera's ear. There were bugs in Harbaugh's ear. And to Andy's credit, and again, this is speculation, but I'm I'm going to credit him with it. He he was saying all year, we're going to make sure my boy, if he cannot get a head coach job, has a clear-cut path to Mm -hmm. an offensive head coach job. Like they have it's the reverse of Kansas City, where you have Ron Rivera as a defensive head coach. Uh, where where Eric Bieniemy gets to run the offense, pick a staff. Same thing with mm-hmm. Steve Spagnuolo here in Kansas City. Andy Reid, of course, is involved in the defense, but he largely lets Steve do his thing. And now Bieniemy, mm-hmm. there will be no questions in Washington, which will be a bigger challenge because of the personnel. But no question in Washington who's running the show on that side of the ball. I think there was a lot of subtext in Andy Reid's statement that Ron Rivera is an old friend. I mean, that was just dripping with additional meaning in this particular uh, nugget from the presser yesterday. I think you're exactly right. I think this is one of those things that Andy Reid was talking about with his friends with whom he regularly speaks. Ron Rivera is one of those people. So is John Harbaugh. And there's several other people around the league, uh, perhaps not head coaches who'd be in a position to hire a coordinator, but people inside other organizations with whom Andy could speak and say, look, we need to figure this out. We need to find a place for EB to go so that he can get this monkey off his back and make some kind of a move forward, even if it starts as a sideways move. I I agree. I think this was the plan all along, and I'm very happy that they've figured out a way uh, to get him off the schneid. You know, this has been a, a long time thing that's I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of worrying about it. I'm tired of arguing about why he hasn't become a head coach. It doesn't matter now. He's got a whole nother approach to it now, and we'll see where it goes from here. So I'm I'm real happy for him, just like the head coach. It creates so many storylines. That's a tough division to play in the, the NFC East. Oh, yeah. You now mm-hmm. also have two games a year where it's Commanders Giants and you got Mike Kafka and E.B going mm-hmm. after each other as far as offense versus versus offense. And in, in those circumstances, you got the NFC champions in that division and the Dallas Cowboys team who is always hungry and loading up because they don't take years off. They, there's no rebuilding in Dallas. They try to, they try to do it every year. So tough division to, 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 to be in. The good thing about that is, Hey, you get Washington to the playoffs might be just a one year stint. I mean, it might be that quick. Mm-hmm. For them, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Matt Nagy is now in, in the vacant offensive coordinator position. Here was Andy Reid on Matt Nagy. Um, yeah, I've worked on, you know, staff things. Uh, Herbie mentioned uh, Matt Nagy. And so I, I, there's a process you have to go through and, and talk to people and interview people. And, and so that's what I did. And, um, you know, between Pep Hamilton, who was phenomenal, Marcus Brady, phenomenal. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, our, our own guy, Matt Nagy, that was here, um, phenomenal interviews and just talking football is incredible. I mean, I got to do this for a good week and uh, <laughs> I enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, it just tells me that the league's in good hands. We, we've got some good coaches out there and, I'm, uh, you know, 
I'm, I'm excited about that, yeah. So there was a behind-the-scenes interview process. Uh, Houston Texans offensive coordinator in 2022, Pep Hamilton, and senior offensive assistant, offensive consultant of the Eagles. I'm sorry, Marcus Brady. There it is. Uh, interviewed for this job. It was always going to Matt Nagy, right? Andy Reid went through interviews, but this was never a question. If you listen to the editor's show, I know that reports have come out after the Super Bowl that Matt Nagy's the next head coach. If you listen to the editor's show, you knew that 13 months ago. I told you the guys that. Um, but here you have, I think, the continuation of what will be the plan in Kansas City, which was Matt Nagy is going to be here for as long as it takes under Andy Reid, similar to a Josh McDaniel situation where the head coach eventually actually retires. Uh, in New England, and then he will take over as head coach somewhere down the road. As a reminder, Andy Reid's contract runs through 2025. I don't know if that'll necessarily be the end. That'll be, I think, a decision point for Reid mm-hmm. where he'll determine yeah. how many more years he wants to go. But I think this is I think this is the head coach and offensive coordinator indefinitely, John. I, I really feel that way. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any changes until Andy Reid retires. That's just how I feel here. I think there's a good chance that's the way it plays out. What struck me about uh, this particular comment from Andy Reid was, find me another person. Uh, you think about this for yourself, Pete, and and uh, if you're listening at home, think about employers that you've had. If yeah. they would uh, talk about spending a week interviewing people, <laughs> if they would come out of it happy. <laughs> like right. Andy Reid was, I had such a good time talking football <laughs> with these guys. Oh boy, it was great. It was well, just great. I don't know anybody of, that thinks interviews are fun. <laughs> the powers that be at SB Nation last year gave me that opportunity to to expand the staff with a lot of new staff members. That was a tedious process. I yeah. love talking about football writing, and I love hearing about people's stories and whatever. It, it takes a long time, but you're right, yeah. Andy Reid just. Just is like, all right, this is fun. I love talking football. This is what I want to do. It's like, you're supposed to be away from the office. This is probably making you stay in the office at this point, and you're happy about it. But, yeah, we all knew what was happening. Matt Nagy is now the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs for 2023. David Girardi is now the quarterback's coach. Here were Reed's comments on that. Yeah, so Dave would be, um, yeah, I'll announce, end up announcing that here. Uh, well, I guess I'm doing it right here, Herbie. So, yeah, David will work into that. Again, I went through an interview process there. So it's uh, uh, Bush Hamden from Boise State was one of the guys I talked to. Again, he's at the college level. He had been with the Falcons at the college level, but, um, you know, college football uh, is in good hands with him. So Boise State, I'm happy for them. But, you know, so but he, he's the, the natural fit in there, and that's, that's what he'll be doing, yeah. So David Girardi is now the the quarterback's coach. He had been what was called the the pass game coordinator for the Chiefs. This is somebody that Andy Reid has mentioned here and there a few times when it comes to these crafty plays when they have one of these unique plays that no one has ever really seen before. Sometimes it's asked in the press conference after the game. At times he'll mention Andy Heck. The enemy was one of them. Girardi was another. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. this, I believe the train had kind of stopped for a while because of this be enemy bottlenecking right. thing where he just was waiting to become a head coach. I think this is now the continuation of the Andy Reid process where he tries to, to help his, his coordinators and assistants get, get bigger jobs uh, both here and elsewhere. Well, if you're right, that, that uh, the, where we're headed with this is that Andy Reid and, Matt Nagy will be the the head coach and offensive coordinator for a period of time until Reed retires. What this means is, is that Girardi is going to be the offensive coordinator under Nagy. I mean, that's the, you know, that's the way that Andy Reed would set this up, you know? Right. Right. And uh, now, now he might have a different idea when he becomes the head coach, but that's what Andy is putting in place here. Yeah. Yeah. I I believe that. And who knows if the chiefs continue to have, as much success as they have had, which is continuing to go to the AFC title game all these years in a row, if that streak were to continue a year or two, you know, might become a situation where Girardi has to go the Mike Kafka mm-hmm. route and become an OC elsewhere. So we'll see how right. mm-hmm. it all transpires. I think ideally for Chiefs fans, Girardi won't last until Nagy's ready to become the head coach. We'll, we'll see how it, how it goes. All right, let's get into some of the, the nitty-gritty about this year's team. 
And I think the offseason questions about this team starts with the franchise tag, which the window is now open. And the likely candidate for the Chiefs, and I think it's even more than likely, the definite candidate for the Chiefs <laughs> is left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. Here was Brett Beach on Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah, I mean, it's an option. It, you know, we went through this um, path last year. And as always, Herbie, you, you know, it's more beneficial for us to, to get something done long term. And, you know, that's why this, this season is so important for us. And, and really, this is a start. I mean, we'll have a lot of dialogue. You know, as you know, I mean, Combine's great to come in here and check out the new college uh, talent, but a lot of the time here we're spent talking with the agents of our players. So, start exchanging information now. Uh, unlike last year, I think we have at least a, a runway to work with, and you know we we've gotten to know his team a little bit better. So, you know we're excited to get that process started here, and hopefully we can get something figured out. So, John, you've been on 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 the pulse of the the franchise tag stuff, and I believe you were you were in last week when the window opened. And I was out and you wrote, mm-hmm. wrote up the article on Brown. So you got the contract stuff as well. Uh, this franchise tag is happening. It would be in the Chiefs benefit to actually figure out a contract, a long term contract this this time around. Right. Yeah. I mean, you you're, you have to assume that in any contract that comes out, the first year cap hit is going to be something less than what the franchise tag is. Maybe right. not a lot if the intelligent uh, if the contract is constructed intelligently, which I think it would be uh, if it comes out of Brett Beach's uh, wing of the building. Um, but it's going to be a cap relief thing for the Chiefs. And then there's the additional problem is that if if they're going to put the franchise tag on him uh, before the 7th of March, just six days from now as we speak, uh, they have to create something around 20 million in cap space because the minute he, the he, he the on the beginning of the league year uh he's going to need that space that the chiefs don't have in right. order to be on the franchise tag. So I think there is a fairly good chance that they're going to get this figured out before the franchise tag deadline. Wow. Uh, but if I I and I and I think that was kind of the subtext of what Beach was saying there is we've got a little runway now that we didn't have last year when Brown was representing himself. There's no agent involved. Yeah. They've gotten to know the guy a little bit. They've talked a little bit over the course of the year and they've both sides. You know, I wrote an article about this last year when it was all over. Both sides did exactly what you would expect them to do. They did right by their perspective um, sides of the argument and I think they've both had a chance to think about it now and think about, okay, what is it we could have done a year ago that would have made this deal happen? And, uh, you know, I don't think it'll take them long to figure out if they're close. And if they're close, I think they'll make a deal. And if they're not, then we're talking about the franchise tag and, you know, a repeat of what we went through last year, which hopefully doesn't end with Orlando Brown Jr. missing a lot of time in, well, uh, in the offseason and the training camp. It just needs to be a, a situation where both sides bend a little bit mm-hmm. right yeah. A- yeah as the final offer came out last year red beach was sneaking in a final bloated year to pump up the average sure and the representation was it seemed like asking for far too much for the quality of of brown's play over a season's time now he was really good in the second half pro football focus has noted that he was good in the playoffs we all know about the zero sacks putting put it on a you know what t-shirt and uh he wore that to the parade in the super bowl i think there's a number here where both sides bend a little bit and they can be in a happy place mm-hmm. but if, yeah. if they have the same attitudes as they did last year this is a franchise act thing that's going to happen again and i don't i don't know I, I think brown has to be careful here though because I don't think it's past Brett Veach to tag him and then trade him. And I think he wants to be here. So you just hope that that conversation between Veach and now the agent that he has, Michael Portnor, it, it's it's him being very clear. Like the Chiefs have that option. And mm-hmm. yeah. again, not to say that left tackles are just a dime a dozen. That's a little bit of a risk in a way for the Chiefs because Brown, though not elite, is is good. He, he was above average again in the second half of the season and in the playoffs. And now you're risking the the blind side of the the only thing that matters here in, in Kansas City when it comes to winning championships is the quarterback. So interesting little situation. I 
I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you got to hope that there's some bending on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, Brown is an elite, and we know that, but he's pretty pretty darn good. And I, I think yeah. that's how we felt about Eric Fisher, too, right? right. So just right. <laughs> finding the proper value for what that is. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's one of the things that's amusing about this is that people have gotten themselves uh, so worked up about not paying him more than he's worth that we're losing sight of the big picture here. And and that is he's probably better than anybody the Chiefs can get mm-hmm. uh, for any kind of reasonable price uh, in the short term this year, just as was the case last year. And I think the Chiefs want Orlando Brown to stay too. I think they like him. I think they fit. He fits with the other players on the on the offensive line. That counts for a lot with Andy Reid and Andy Heck. And I I think they really want him to stay. So you got two sides here. They ought to be well motivated to make this happen. It's just a question of you know whether they can get that the money thing to work. And they've had you know eight months to work on it, to think about it and come up with an approach that they can agree upon. So I think they're going to make it happen eventually, maybe even before the 15th of March. Not that this matters when, you know, you're talking about millions of dollars of uncle Clark's money, but Orlando is a highly criticized player. And whenever I ask him for anything could be, you know, another defensive player that happened a couple of times this year, talking smack and got to get a quote from the offensive line. Orlando is very willing to just come up. And again, he, especially in the beginning of the year, he wasn't playing that well. And a lot of times players can kind of hide away, especially during the week. It's hard to hide after the game. And Brown was, you know, he does, you know, he comes up, he talks to you, he understands like, okay, yeah, I need to play better. And I, I appreciate that. Again, I'm not, I'm not going mm-hmm. out $20 million a year for him. All right. Andy Reed also <laughs> spoke about Frank Clark, who is another player who is in a interesting scenario when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. Here's Andy Reed. Yeah, so um, I actually talked to him uh, uh, at the parade. So that's where I ended up talking to him. Um, he had to do some stuff for the actual exit physical, but I had a good good talk with him. I love Frank Clark. Um, it's just, you know, Veach has got to juggle all these different different things going on. and uh, But, um, you know, Frank is uh, he's top-notch. Top-notch guy. I love him. Love him to death. So Andy Reid loves Frank Clark, he says. I mean, mentioned Brett Veach. Well, what did Brett Veach have to say about Frank Clark? Yeah, I mean, we'll probably, to a certain extent, need some cap space. But, you know, we have a long history with him and his agent, too. So he'll be one of the many conversations we have this week and look forward to getting with him and seeing if we can work something out that makes sense for, for both parties. John, the cap hit on Frank Clark is 28675 It feels like mm-hmm. it, it might, be, might be too much to, to take on this year. Well, yeah, I think so. And I, I think that um, uh, if you, I was just going to say that going into the Super Bowl, the number of people who are Kansas City Chiefs fans who would have predicted that Frank Clark would be back for this coming season was pretty low. It was a non zero number, but it's pretty low. And I think that number is a lot higher now. <laughs> and it's funny well, that it just a- took one game for that to happen. <laughs> He somehow reverted back to the 2019 version of uh-huh, himself at yeah. different points this year, right? You had yeah, that San Francisco uh-huh. game, and then really the end of the season into the postseason, he was really good. And you could tell that the players were feeding off that energy a little bit, right? But mm-hmm. it's it is that interesting question of, well, if we commit another two three years to you, Frank, are we going to get that effort? I mean, it seems like we are, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How old mm-hmm. how old is he here? We have he's going to be 31 in 2024. I mean, I think the most you can probably give him is two years, right? I mean, Brett mm-hmm. Beach doesn't give out these type of contracts. What do you think? No, I agree. I think I think it'd be silly to give him more than a couple of years, but they including this year, maybe even. I mean, you you could make an argument that the right thing to do was to give to extend his contract just one more year and figure out a way to bring his cap hit down, you know, I don't know, $10 million or so this year and, and make it a kind of a reasonable contract for what would probably be his final season in Kansas city. I just think it's interesting that uh, people have completely changed their tune about Frank Clark uh, on the basis of one ball game. But, you know, that was always the thing uh, after the 2019 season, that was always the thing that we knew about him. Yeah. Was he was spectacular in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl, and and that was his value to the team, 
And, um, you know, if, if the Chiefs are going to be a team that's going to be in the AFC Championship and possibly in the Super Bowl on a regular basis, you know what? That matters. That counts yeah. for something, you know? So um, maybe mean, people I'm, have finally realized that. I'm looking at Frank and his numbers here. The Chiefs can save $21 million against the cap by just outright cutting him. But I just think back to last year. He wanted to be here, and so he reworked his deal. And mm-hmm. this is a player that's been playing since 2015. John, he has made $81 million. So if I'm judging this one, like we're trying to make a, a, a too early call on this, I think he reworks it again. I think he reworks mm-hmm. it again. If the Chiefs, and this is the big gift to me, if the Chiefs are being real when they say they want him back, because we get this at the press conference always, right? Sure, right, right. Last year, I'll remind you, I was reading some of the headlines we had last year. The Chiefs said that they wanted to find ways to bring Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle back. They did not want Robinson or Pringle back. They didn't. <laughs> right. right. So you just got to be careful about these combine quotes. I think if the Chiefs truly want Frank back, I think Frank will work with them. I, I do. He did it last yeah. year. He mm-hmm. has $81 million. Yeah. He seems pumped up to be part of this thing. He's 31. He's like, you could tell when he's in these interviews, he's real about where he's at in the, is his career. He knows he's not going to break the bank with another team. Mm-hmm. Why not work with the Chiefs and compete for championships? I, I think that's where this ends up. And I, right? and I also feel that when he speaks about how happy he is in Kansas City, he's being very genuine about that. I mean, players all say they love being here and playing in Arrowhead and all that. That They all say that on some level. But when Clark has spoken about living in Kansas City and settling down with his family, he seems very genuine to me. And I think that's part of the equation as well, is that he's very happy here in Kansas City. I can say that because I also live in Kansas City and I really love it. So, you know, it's easy like for it me too. to find that that approach. <laughs> and the airport looks like it's finally part of the 21st century, well, which, is, exactly. which is nice. So yeah. he's, got that, he's got that. If he needs to fly out, I know he's from California. He go to many different places to have a nice meal. That, that right there is up. probably worth half a million dollars in contract right. negotiations. Yeah, you know. Veach should definitely mention the airport when he <laughs> gets with the agent for Frank Clark. All right, we've been through five nuggets. We have five more from the press conferences at the Combine. You're listening to the Airhead Pride Editor Show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, continuing on with the Andy Reid and Brett Beach press conferences from the NFL Combine. They spoke to the media on Tuesday. As a reminder, if you want to listen to them in their entirety, they're available on from the podium right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Pete Sweeney and John Dixon will continue on with Brett Beach talking about some of those off-season strategies and how he is remembering the year that was. When you have the, the GM blue book, it kind of says smart and free agency and built through the draft and I think I've learned over the years that as you have more and more success, that becomes more difficult um, because the players cost more and you're picking late in the draft. So, you know, last year we really had a, you know, slam dunk this thing from start to finish. And um, it was one of those years that GM dreams of just, you know, everything seemed like worked out, whether, you know, it was the off season with, with Juju MVS and um, Jay Reed, Carlos, and then the draft players from Trent McDuffie all the way down to Isaiah Pacheco rounds one through seven helping us out. So, We'll certainly um, be happy to take the uh, the pats on the back this combine, but no. Once we leave here, it'll be um, starting from scratch again, and um, we'll be ready for that challenge. So with that, I'll take questions. The year that that Brett Veach dreamed of, in, in a way, John, I, I mm-hmm. that stuck with me. Doesn't somebody put out GM rankings? I think it's CBS Sports or maybe NFL.com. I don't remember who does it. But how is Brett Veach not number one at the, on this year? Right? I mean, mm-hmm. after after what he was able to do last year. Well, it's it's pretty easy to look at, you know, for people who cover a team, people who are fans of a team. It's pretty easy to look at your own people and go, oh, my God, they're the best in the league and not recognize there's other guys out there. That being said, Veach had a spectacular season last year. It was amazing. It really was. And the draft was unbelievable. 
um, you know, the cornerbacks that were able to come out and play and be effective even through the postseason. I mean, they weren't shut down corners or anything, but they were a lot more than we could have reasonably expected for, for guys who came in in the fifth, the fourth and seventh rounds. Trent McDuffie was great. George Karloftis yep. was great. I mean, we could go on and on about this. He was spectacular. And it's hard to imagine how there was another GM who did a, a job that was much better than Beach did. Well, just think the first year contributors. And I also think a good reminder for fans, too, with how happy they were last year about just the draft class. And man, that mm-hmm. is rare. That is rare. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brett Veach unfairly is going to be compared this year to 2022 Brett Veach. As he mentioned, he was like one of these college players in the March Madness that is just hitting threes and suddenly the 13 is in the final four. I mean, you're not going to hit that many times in the draft. It just doesn't happen. And, and so I think just, I think that's worth keeping in mind. Like the chiefs have 12 picks right now. We know Veach probably going to pick somewhere in the seven or eight range. If they nail three of those, that's a huge win. It just, mm-hmm. <laughs> they just had this yeah. year where they had yeah. eight of these guys that were great the first year. It just, that's not realistic to expect, and I just I think it's worth noting that as we head into what is the NFL draft and free agency seasons. But what happens if it happens again? I mean, I know what yeah, you're yeah. what you're saying is exactly right. That it's way unreasonable to expect that uh, you know you're going to have a draft like that every year. But we've had two really great, good drafts in a row, yeah. and that's pretty unlikely too. So I wonder. I really am starting to wonder if Veach has figured out something that nobody else has figured out yet. Well, the I one really thing wonder. that he seems to ha- really have a knack for that I think takes less luck is actually the, the, the like the the day three rounds four to seven. Mm-hmm. I think that takes less luck. I think that there's something that they have a knack for, and they always have had that really since mm-hmm. the beginning. But this yeah. is also, and I hate <laughs> to bring this name up, I mean, this is also someone who, who took their first shot on Breland Speaks. And you know, trade it up for yeah, him, and well, right, and right, you know what I mean. So, like, I think there is the first, you know, the first and second round. I feel this is why I feel like the first and second and third rounds are a little bit more luck because I think for the most part, everyone really feels similarly. Of course, you're going to have teams that like guys more. The quarterback position is almost in a different realm itself. I'm almost talking about just non-quarterback positions, just in like draft theory. I just think from the other positions, for the most part everyone's on the same page. The mock drafts after you get through the quarterbacks kind of go almost at, as far as like the big board goes. Yeah. There's needs. Yeah. There are teams that like light guys here and there more, but it, it kind of goes in. In I just, I don't know. I think that's where this regime really wins is Legereus need um, uh, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, I, Isaiah Pacheco. Like I, I just think, that they're they're just so good there and that usually leads to a better draft because the you know the likelihood that these guys that everyone sort of agrees on are going to be good to me it, it makes the draft class as a whole really solid so well you might this right. is you know this is more my old guy perspective here you know and and I think that that one of the things that I see with Beach is that he really seems to be able to learn from his mistakes that he, you know, he went in in his first year and made some dumb moves, okay, things that did not work out. And I think he learned from those. And I think he's learned with each successive draft uh, what works and what doesn't work. And more importantly, has learned to, how to impl- apply those l- lessons to every new situation, which is what you have with every new draft. I mean, if this is what's making it happen, we could see Veach you know, knock it out of the park again. I mean, I, I, you're exactly right. We should, we should keep cautioning people. It really shouldn't be like this every year, but man, what if it is? See, I think he's Sammy Sosa. You think he's Barry Bonds. I, that's where we differ. You think these home runs are going to just. That's continue. a good. Way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got to hurry up here. We are way behind. Let's go two in a row. Steve first, Andy Reed on Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. I think both of them, uh, Sky and KT will um, will probably have bigger roles, uh, you know, um, as they, they come in. They'll be more familiar with the offense mainly. And um, and so you can utilize them in different ways. Both of them are very talented. 
uh, really like their attitude towards the game. And, um, you know, we'll just see. We'll see how that goes uh, once we get to camp and, and the OTAs. Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony among just a few receivers that are under contract right now for the Kansas City Chiefs, which is a little daunting at, at this stage, but you know they'll figure it out once they they get there. We'll see about Juju and McColl and, and whatnot. Uh, here's Brett Beach on Patrick Mahomes being able to win with a bevy of new receivers. I think the unique thing about Patrick is is he can really play any style of, of football, and, and we've seen it throughout his career. I mean, he can play the up-tempo running gun stuff, but I think, you know, last year was a good kind of turning point um, for our team, and, you know, we saw... Uh, a lot of different coverages and teams force us to play patient. But I think, you know, when we looked at that trade last year, I, I think in our mindset we knew uh, you're not going to find another Tyree kill. Um, so let's just go out there and get good football players. And the cool thing and the advantage that we had is that Pat can play any style of football. So he can work with the bigger um, bigger receivers and, and play more of a, uh, a, a tempoed game and, and just play the small game if we have to. So I don't think we ever thought we're going to go out there and find another Tyree kill. Certainly speed and athleticism, versatility, will always be at the, the top of our list, but really we just want to collect good football players. So there you go from, from Brett Veach. I, I think that's the, the main takeaway for me when it comes to the receivers. I know that we do have some commenters and definitely some tweeters that are getting worked up about, well, who's going to play a receiver for the Chiefs? What are they going to do without Juju if, if that ends up being the case or without McColl? And to me, Sky Moore really showed, especially toward the end of the season, that he could potentially be that guy for the Chiefs in a McCall Hardman if the Chiefs were to opt to, to move on. And Kadarius Toney really can be that number one receiver if he stays healthy. I'd feel more comfortable if Juju were on the team. But the bottom line is, right, we learned this last year. This was the theme of last year. You got Pat Mahomes, you're going to win games. And mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. the, the moral of the story there, John. I think that was the, the key uh, sentence from that from that uh that quote was uh, you know pat can play any kind of football you know and if you've got a guy that can do that uh that opens up all kinds of opportunities for you as long as you can figure out something that you know works for the people that you have and that's always of course the thing you love about andy Reid is he finds ways to win with the people he's got all right steve we're going to skip over the free agency plan i'll i'll give a quick synopsis of that brett beach essentially said i just liked it that they go in with plan A, B, C, and D. If one free agent goes elsewhere, the Chiefs always have a means to pivot. I feel like they do this really well. There were certainly some free agents, I think, last year when all this Tyreek stuff was going on, the Orlando stuff, some, especially some defensive linemen that they wanted that they weren't able to get because of the timing thing. They pivoted, and wow, it, it really worked out, especially Carlos Dunlap. How good was he mm-hmm. coming in the middle of training camp, for goodness sake? Yeah. Brett Veach also spoke about, I'll play this one, uh, about Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and some of these teams that have been spicy against the Chiefs now needing to pay their quarterbacks like the Chiefs have already done. Uh, you know, I don't really know. Uh, I mean, it's a, that's a fair question. It's a good question. I, I mean, on one end, I mean, we have Pat Steele done. On the other end, we'll certainly have to monitor the rest of these deals. And, you know, we have, you know, a lot of years with, with Pat contracts. So, I mean, that's something we'll have to read and adjust as time goes. But, I mean, we'll just see. I mean, all these teams, you know, are structurally different. You know, how they handle contracts like this are different and how they the cash flows are different. So it's it'll be an interesting time frame. And, and you know, we had to go through that um, that hurdle there. Now Cincinnati and San Diego and these teams have to go through that there. So um, I'm kind of like you. I'm anxious to see how they uh, work their deals and we'll be taking a look at every aspect of, of how they do that. Did you hear that last part? That's my favorite part, I think. Brevich is essentially saying in that last quote, well, Bengals, well, Chargers, you missed your window. Good luck now. <laughs> Good luck. We were able to beat you after giving Patrick Mahomes this mega mm-hmm. contract, and mm-hmm. Joe Burrow deserves that, and so does Justin Herbert. So now how are you going to try to find a way to beat the Chiefs? And that was a mini flex by Brett. He's, he's very sly, I think, sometimes with these public statements that he's, <laughs> you know, he said, look, you guys got to pay your quarterback now. We're going to be watching. Well, so, you know, Good luck. Yeah. Good luck trying to stick with us here. Not not only are we going to be watching, we're going to be enjoying watching as you do that. I think that's 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 what comes through to me there. Yeah, there's no doubt that from positions now two to fifty three, the Bengals and Chargers are going to be weaker than they were as they were competing with the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we got through our top ten nuggets from the combine. When we come back, we'll round up the news in a in a flash round of sorts. Stay with us. You're listening to the Airhead Pride Editor Show. 
It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney and John Dixon. This is our post-combine presser editor show, our new day on Wednesday. I like the midweek press conference or mm-hmm. the, the midweek podcast, John. I, I feel like we're we can get our, our bearings a little bit here as we get tackle the offseason. All right. First things first, the smoke is building for a repeat of 2015's international series. A number of reports have pointed toward the Detroit Lions as being the team that will meet the Chiefs in Germany. How do you feel about the Chiefs Lions matchup in Germany, John? Um, well, you know, I, I'd rather that it was a, a different team than we'd played in an, in the international series in the past, but I, I follow the logic of all of it. I don't want the Chiefs to make play a division game uh, in Germany. I don't want to play them against an AFC team in Germany. So that leaves you with the NFC teams on the schedule, and there's a number of reasons why it makes sense for the Lions. So that's probably how this is going to play out, and I'm just going to have to say, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> One thing I'll say about this is Germany is in for one of the biggest shootouts of the season. I put put this on Twitter the other day. Hmm. It was from Warren Sharp, who's very good at these analytics. Just about Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes and the offensive efficiency against any defensive look. And oddly enough, you had that little blue lion right next to the Chiefs in the top right quadrant just right there as far as offensive mm-hmm. efficiency goes. And yeah. I know they have not been able to make the postseason, but this is a team that essentially it wasn't a playoff game for them, but they treated it as such that game against the Packers to end the year, the Packers needed to win. And the Lions said, we don't want to let the Packers win. And the Packers were playing to make the playoffs and the Lions found a way to, to beat them. I wonder if this is going to be this explosive matchup. So my way too early German prediction is bet the over <laughs> in that game. Cause I think it's going to hit. All right. Yeah, let's go. I agree. I think that's a good analysis. Yeah. All right. Andy Reid uh, nearly kept Patrick Mahomes from participating in the new quarterback series. Uh, this will be happening on Netflix this summer. John, um, Andy, uh, you 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 caught wind of this actually for us. It was in Football Morning in America where Andy had his hesitations about Mahomes mm-hmm. doing this, and ultimately he gave him the okay along with Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota. Well, he was just worried that it was going to be like uh, hard knocks with camera guys, you know, flitting around inside the building. And it's one thing to put up with that when you're a team that's ascending from the bottom. But I don't think Andy Reid wants that when he's from the, you know, looking down from the top. So I get why he was concerned about it. And I and I think Peyton Manning called him and said, no, 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 that's not what we're going to do. We're going to use the game film and the mic'd up. And then we're going to have stuff from Pat at home. And uh, and then I think significantly, Andy realized how much Patrick wanted to do it. And that's yeah. often a key factor yeah. in these situations. And and so he finally said yes. But it was also because, you know, they weren't doing the thing he was worried about. So Andy Reid, too, is is a is a big time loyalty to the game, man. You ever mm-hmm. notice, John, how mm-hmm. Collins, yeah. um, Collinsworth or I'm sorry, not Collinsworth. Who am I thinking of from Fox Sports? Uh, Heard, Kyle Heard, Colin Cowherd, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, Steve Mariucci. You ever listen to the quotes Andy Reid gives them? And then you ever go to a, on a Wednesday press conference and listen to the answers that Andy Reid gives me? You're a little bit better when Steve Mariucci or Peyton Manning, <laughs> Colin Cowherd is asking them guys that he's known for more than the nine seasons that I've covered him for. And I just think that I'm sure a call from Peyton Manning did help significantly. Sure. What yeah. I heard too, the the people that were filming Mahomes were in house to, so there were people in Andy Reid. No, it wasn't like this HBO thing where they were bringing out outside people. They were using right, right. stuff provided by people that that Reid knew, and I think a big part of that also too was there was with with that being the case, and with it being the sixty five TPT helping out with that that project, they were able to pick and choose. Okay, we don't want to send that. All right, let's send that. You know, so there was right, a little bit of right, control. Too. Right. 
I'm interested in watching though. It should be, I think, a good series on Netflix. Oh so man, I'm really looking forward to it. I, you know, it wasn't clear from the original press release, but it looks like it's going to be three episodes, one each on these three quarterbacks. And I know some people are disappointed by that, but I kind of like the idea. You know, that will that every year we'll get to see three unique perspectives, which they're clearly going to do with this series. You know, maybe it'd be great if we had more of them, but you know, in any given season it'd probably be hard to find more than three unique perspectives on how the season went. So I think this is going to be really cool. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a, a podcast review after it when, mm-hmm. it when it releases. So you can maybe like a watch along or something. I don't know. Let's, let's, yeah. let's put that in the, the brain, okay. Steve, and see what, right. what, what pops out. And that's, that's a Steve call. You know, I don't, I don't like to step on <laughs> Steve's toes. He gets angry. All right. Chiefs uh, wide receiver, McCole Hardman had surgery to repair his core injury. The pelvis, abdomen, illness, injury, disaster that happened anyway. Whatever was going on in his body, it's it's been fixed. Surgery was a success, he wrote on Twitter. I appreciate everyone who said a prayer. This definitely will be a full recovery. John, what do you think? McColl on the Chiefs in 2023, yes or no? What is your call right now? Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll, I'll put it that way. I, think I don't think that, I would be either. I think I'm yeah. leaning that way too. Yeah, I, I think that this it really could play out that way because – um, you know, there are probably few teams who would value McCole Hardman as much as the Chiefs do, or could use him in the same way that the Chiefs do. And if Kadarius Tony does as you expect, uh, become you know more like a number one wideout, there'll be space for McCole Hardman to be the kind of player he's been for the Chiefs. And I, I think the Chiefs would like for him to have an opportunity to go after that big deal when he's had when he's been healthy you know, in his contract year. I, I, I think they I like think the guy. That, and I think they want him to have that. I think if I'm McColl, I'm trying to put myself in, in McColl's. So McColl's body. So I love bowling. I love running. <laughs> you know, I love Twitter. I think that if I was trying to make as much money as possible, wouldn't sticking with Andy Reid, who knows my best qualities, yeah, over 17 games, give me the most possible yardage, Rather than taking a one-year deal with someone who may not use me the best, and I'm hoping for like 800 yards, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like that makes the most sense, and I think he likes playing with Pat, and I think he likes this team, and I think he likes this city, and so I think there's a way to make it work. And he doesn't cost a lot because he wasn't able to. Mm-hmm. You know, think about think about Juju um, in 2021. He got injured, and so he wasn't able to take this super lucrative Christian Kirk. Mike Williams mm-hmm. deal. He had to play a year. I mean, we'll see what he, he made and, now. And but. he was able to get a contract that had big incentives because of that. And they could do the same thing with McCole Hardman, where he could actually have a big payday in this coming year if he hits and the, a certain extent. And there's yeah. the wrinkle, John, right? You've told you've you've kind of told me about this before. Because he didn't hit certain thresholds this year, a lot of those incentives would be pushed to the twenty four cap, right? Because they would be unlikely right. to be earned right exactly or, and and exactly and that's the advantage to the team is that they could you know give him a pretty big contract but not have to carry a lot of the hit for it until the 2024 season and this is exactly what happened with with uh juju um you know because he had had an, a season where he was injured for much of it the, the they they could set the the um the incentives really low and it was not likely to be earned and now you know, then they were able to move all that cap hit to this year uh, instead of to last year. So I think there's a lot of things here that could add up to McCole Hardman being back in 2023. We'll see how it goes. Got to run through these quick ones here. NFL Competition Committee discusses outlawing push plays. Those were those plays you saw in the Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts. This was new to some Chiefs fans who weren't following the Eagles all year long. That mm-hmm. the yeah. Eagles, were, Eagles were doing this all year long, and then. Uh, it became a story more so because the NFC was ticked off the entire year. Um, and cause it just was, it's impossible to stop. Anyway, the competition committee is looking over this. Not that it's necessarily unfair. It, you know, hasn't really been outlawed, but it's just, I don't think it's an entertaining way to, to, to go about the game, just having automatic short downs like that. So we'll see if, if those push plays where the quarterback is sneaking and the entire offensive line just pushes them over the line, will be outlawed. I tend to think it will. I think this has enough smoke where I don't think I think the Jalen Hurts rule. Congratulations to Jalen Hurts. You didn't get the Super Bowl, but I think that you're gonna have a rule made that <laughs> you. 
<laughs> well, you know, I think you're right, but I think it may take more than this season to do it. I think that one team doing it and being successful at it, then there's going to be owners, and apparently some of them were saying this in the meeting, according to the reporting we were saying, well, they just do it well. I don't think we should make you know rules that stop teams from doing something well that other people haven't figured out. Well, you know who's going to be doing it next year? A whole lot of teams. And when I there's a whole I, lot, yeah. <laughs> I, I think a lot of Chiefs fans would come back to you, John, and say, well, one team won a coin toss and the other team didn't well, see the ball. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> no, I, I, I understand that argument, but I'm just yeah. saying that if you've got six or eight teams that are doing this and every time they get a third and two, they convert it uh, or a third and three and they convert it. And then that's the football that people are watching. I think the league is going to say, no, 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 no. We don't want that. We already went through this once. You know, they made some significant rule changes back in the 70s because the, the game was becoming boring to watch. And I think they'll do it again if a bunch of teams are doing this. We will see. Justin Reed said that in the playoffs, the bulletin board material mattered. We, we thought that. We, we've said that a number of times on the show, how much yeah. the mm -hmm. Chiefs try not to give bulletin board material. It's funny that Justin Reed is saying that when he was the king of bulletin board material yeah, in that regular season right. game. Mm -hmm. The Chiefs had seven players ranked among PFF's, PFF's 101 best of 2022. The most impressive thing to me, John, was the fact that they had three of the top four. Mahomes mm -hmm. one, Chris Jones two, Travis Kelsey was four, Creed Humphrey 21, Nick Bolton 88, Joe Tooney 96, and then Legere Sneed 99. Good to see Legere Sneed finally get in. I mean, I know 99 is not super high, but good to see him well, finally in some sort of credit in the top 15 percent of the league you know so yeah. uh to be on the the top 100 he just has been, he, he's just a, has a, has been left out of lists like this before mm -hmm. where, yeah yeah i mean he, he you can make a case that he's deserved like all pro attention but yeah sure. so the chief having three of the top four players is is usually a pretty good sign that that you're you're, you're gonna compete <clears> for the championship and so the chiefs did that and they won it as we know john the 2022 team mvp i don't think anyone's arguing is patrick mahomes did you agree <laughs> that the mackley hill award the rookie of the year should have went to isaiah pacheco yeah there's definitely some competition there isn't it but um you know he performed at a level uh where if he had been the starter right from the beginning of the season he'd have easily had a thousand yard season as a rusher and maybe put up you know 13 1400 yards uh, uh, from scrimmage, um, I, that's a fantastic performance from this kid. So, uh, I, I, I see why the team, the team voted that way, but there were a lot of guys who, who could have been in that, that conversation. I think Carlothis made a late push. I think you yeah. can make a mm -hmm. case for, mm -hmm. yep. for Trent McDuffie. I think you can make a case for Jalen Watson. Remember the first round by came down to one game and that, one game was pretty much won by Watson early in the year. Mm -hmm. Yep. Pacheco. I guess I'm, I guess I'm with it. I don't know. I, 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 uh, cause you could say, okay, McDuffie missed a certain amount of games, but he was great when he came back. And, yeah, and he was same type of deal. Hey, you know, that's a good problem to have. And that's why part of the reason why the chiefs are really set up well for the future, because all of these guys that we're talking about exactly contract yeah. for three mm -hmm. more seasons. Our flashbulb John today was, with the number one thirty, with the number thirty-one overall pick in the NFL draft, the Kansas City Chiefs should select, and I listed an edge defender, offensive tackle, wide receiver, or another position, based upon twenty-five hundred Chiefs fans. What do you think they want to see? Edge. Edge is right, fifty point nine percent. So yeah. that's about one in every two Chiefs fans. Half the fan base would like to see an edge taken. A quarter of the fan base, twenty-five percent, on offensive tackle. Mm, wide receiver right, yeah. came in in the 18% range and another position under 7%. So really the grand takeaway here is that half the fan base would like to see a pass rusher and a quarter of the fan base would like to see an offensive tackle. So we will see. I, I, I think that's reasonable because, you know, they have, the, this is an important part of any uh, NFL team and the chiefs really haven't devoted that many assets to it. Um, yeah. I, and I mean, I of course put some draft picks in there and stuff, but not a big one, you know. So, in the tweet replies here, John, we of course have we don't know the position yet because we haven't seen the 30 people that no, yes, I know, like <laughs> we know, right? This is just we're doing just having fun. What, yeah, what the right. it's March right. 1. We do, we don't, I know we don't know who's going to be left. 
yes, a lot of fans want to see best player available. We get it. All right. So thank you for again for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. We hope that you enjoyed the program. Of course, keep it locked in in the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. As Steve mentioned, we will have programming all off season long uh, that we will enjoy and pump up and ramp up as we get to free agency and the draft around that free agency period, you should be on the lookout for those emergency podcasts, because if the chiefs get them, John, a Justin Reed, Sammy Watkins type of fish, we'll jump right on here uh, and talk about it with some of our film analysts and, and whatnot. And what that player will bring to the chiefs site. I think they're going to be a little bit more active in free agency, but as we have alluded to all show, they're going to need to make some room. They're, they're right. Do that. Right. We'll see how they do that. Uh, I want to thank you for, listening to the program if you leave a rating and review we will read it right here on the arrowhead pride editor show i told you i was going to tease it until august i have until training camp and then a, a few weeks before christmas if you want to remember the 2022 season please get my book it's called the dynasty begins <laughs> my my link is on my twitter twitter.com pg sween i will only be telling you guys until august 1 and then right before christmas and hanukkah and whatever you now, celebrate are you going to are you going to be offering autographed copies uh, yes yeah okay. if you bring Sorry. it to me somehow find me don't look me <laughs> well up. my mine was given to me with an autograph and a nice inscription and i want to say how much i appreciate that thanks oh yes no problem no problem of course yeah i mean if, if you get a book I, I will be at training camp every day so if you get a book and you want me to do this i don't know why you would ever want that but i will be happy to, <laughs> to provide that so you can get that link again it's at twitter.com slash sweet other than that, uh, thank you to Steve. Thank you to John. My name is Pete Sweeney. This has been another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show.